The world that we live in today has been termed by a lot of people as a cancel culture. By that they mean if you say something that doesn't quite fit into the correct peg hole or appease the right crowd that they will immediately call for your total demise. You'll be removed from your job and your position and lose everything. And cancel culture isn't something that belongs to one spectrum of politics or another. It's one that fits into both sides. You can find yourself saying something that offends one end and they will attack you or the other end and they will attack you. It happens from everyone, from the, the highest in the government offices to the lowliest comment section online. Someone might maybe stand up or maybe not stand up for a social issue and suddenly they're boycotted and they, they lose their career. Or someone else might find that they say something that is offensive to another person and they too lose their career in the cancel culture. Well, cancel culture happens in more than just politics. And today I want to take you to go beyond the, the sphere, the political sphere, to the spiritual realm and to consider how cancel culture has always been around and it's happened between God and the kingdom of this world. We'll begin today a series as our church looks at the end times for the next four Sundays. And today we'll be going through one of the Psalms, Psalm 46. And there we'll see in Psalm 46 the clash between the cancel culture of this world and the word of God. Now in order to fully appreciate the history of cancel culture within the church and the world, we need to look at some history. So permit me, if you will, to take us to look to some important history today in the church. Uh, today we're celebrating Reformation Sunday. So I'm going to take you 500 years ago. Actually, 500 years ago from today. It was October, and the year was 1520. There was a Roman Catholic priest in Germany who received a document. This document had come from south of the Alps in the city in the Vatican. And this document declared him to be someone who would be a heretic. Someone who had to burn all of his writings and his works, recant them, or else be sentenced to be condemned to hell forever and all eternity. Talk about a cancel culture. This was not just someone that was being threatened to lose their job. This was the, the very head of the only church that existed in his world. This man, Martin Luther, was hearing that the Roman papacy was telling him he had 60 days to recant his writings, which were holding to the gospel truths, challenging the false teachings that were around him. 60 days, or else he would be forever condemned. And Luther also knew from history that the Roman emperor would follow suit. And sure enough, a few weeks after this, he would be declared an outlaw and his very life would be on the line. And he knew and many people with him knew just as well that the last man that was targeted this way by the cancel culture was burned alive. This was definitely a cancel culture in the church. Martin Luther, when he received that document, recalled how he was trembling and in prayer. He didn't exactly know at first if this was legitimate, if this really was from the papacy, but it became more and more clear what path he was headed on as he saw the voices that sought to silence the message that he was proclaiming, namely, that we are saved by grace and through faith. 
You know, you and I probably aren't going to find the head of some church body in America personally decreeing that we are sent to hell for holding to the teachings that we hold to. And no one's probably going to tell you that you have 60 days to recant or else face terrible consequences and be condemned to hell because you hold to the truth of the gospel. But that doesn't mean that we are free from the conflict of this world and the kingdom of our God, this cancel culture, which behind it all is the devil, who seeks to silence every proclamation of the truth of God's word. Yes, uh, there are many like Luther was 500 years ago, many Christians like him today, uh, not just here in our nation, but around the world. Many are threatened if they speak the truth of God's word. Many lose their jobs, many lose their lives around the world still today. What about us? Certainly, the more you make known what you confess, that you follow Christ, the more the devil will try to silence you. He does it, as he did in Luther's time and still today, by his cunning and by his false teaching. He'll try to lead you aside from that truth and lead others aside from it. And if that doesn't work, maybe he'll try to bring you into immorality, to deny the truth by your life and reject it. But if those tactics don't work, he too will attack and he will try to cancel that message by hurting and by an affront. Maybe that might be something where you find if you share the fact that you're a Christian on social media, there might be a few people who mock you. Or maybe if you let people know that, that you're going to church in person at this time, that you're a foolish spreader. Or because you want to worship God and you are a confessional conservative Christian, that you're one of the troublemakers in the church. Maybe you found that the more you make clear the gospel, the more you will find the attack comes on you. We're not free from the cancel culture. The devil seeks to silence that message which was brought to light when Luther challenged the authorities. That we are saved. That is, we are rescued by grace alone. Yes, Luther was trembling. If he had thought by his own strength that he could survive this cancel culture of his time, the greatest authorities in the church and in the secular world against him, if he thought he could survive on his own, he would have been wrong. And if you and I think that we'll stand strong by our own wit or by our own wisdom, we too will stumble. We'll end up like Elijah, crawling into some cave and saying, Lord, there's nobody else left that holds to the word. And we'll feel like we've been canceled. And we'll end up in despair. And if we drink the waters that rage against us of this world and allow it to silence us, and we take that in, those are poisonous waters which will lead us to despair and to die in our sin and death. Luther found assurance. He found confidence as he looked to the scriptures, especially as we celebrate today, Psalm 46. And there he found from the Lord a hope that would carry him through every evil attack. In Psalm 46, he saw that it says, the Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Luther saw that our God, it says, is a refuge or a fortress as we sing in the hymn that he wrote. 
and he's our strength. He is an ever-present help in trouble. It doesn't matter what troubles might come our way. If the mountains fall into the heart of the sea and the earth itself quakes with the raging of the seas of this world, we do not need to be afraid. It says we will not fear because God is with us. And he's the Lord of armies, not the one who rules this world, not the one who tries to silence God's church. Not all the attacks of the devil can stand against him. Luther then read on in that psalm, and I'm sure he saw the peaceful image that stands for God's church. Yes, the nations are in uproar and kingdoms are in turmoil, and the waters of this world rage in turmoil, but not the waters in God's church. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. Now this river can't just be a river that flows through the city of Jerusalem because there is no long-standing, year-long river in the city of Jerusalem. And this city is not merely the city of Jerusalem. It is called here the city of God. It is the place where God brings his waters of life and peace, and he provides for the needs of his church, that is, all believers who are his temple. And this river, this water of life, the word of God, gladdens the heart of every believer as they hear God is within his church. She will not fall. Meanwhile, nations are in turmoil. Kingdoms are in uproar. Just consider history. Look and see the devastations that God has brought on the earth. Is there any kingdom that's ever stood against God's church and continued to prosper but not fallen to ash and destruction? Everyone who has set themselves against the Lord has fallen. And his church, his believers, have stood. From the time of Elijah, when there were still 7,000, to the time of Luther, when the 7,000 were still there, and today, when there are still the 7,000, God's church will not fall. Those who hold to that message that God is my refuge, he is my strength, and know that in his refuge they find forgiveness of sins, and he is present with his people. They know that the church will never perish. There's a, a word in here where it says God is within her. That's actually very similar to where it says the mighty Lord is with us. Kind of reminds you of the expression in Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us. In order that the Lord of hosts might be our refuge. Though he commanded all angels and was Lord of all, the Lord of armies set aside all of his divine glory and everything that he had and came to this world. The Son of God, our Lord, came in human flesh to be with us. And he was among his people, the people of Jacob, and walked among them in the flesh. He came to be the perfect strength and refuge that we needed. And yes, the, the world turned against him. The rulers and the authorities of his day tried to cancel him. In order to silence his teaching and his message, they had him crucified and killed. But Jesus did not remain in death. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The Son of God came alive again. 
And the living Lord Jesus proclaimed to his church those forgiveness of sins for all who take refuge in him so that they can stand whatever rages in this world, not even death can separate them from the love of their God and the refuge that they found in him. Luther proclaimed that message. It is by grace that is God's gift found in Jesus who came to be among us and his rescue who now lives that we stand saved and we are justified, that is declared innocent in God's sight because of the work of his son. This is a message which we share today. The psalm says, The Lord lifts his voice, the earth melts. Even the gates of hell can't withstand the proclamation of the gospel. Today, the Lord's voice is lifted as you proclaim and hold to that message. And with the Lord of armies, the mighty Lord, the church continues to stand and proclaim this truth. Yes, at times we might feel like we're, we're in a cancel culture and that no one will listen and the church is going to somehow fail. But the Lord is with us. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, though the nations roar and foam, and though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. When Luther received that after 60 days, that document that said he was condemned to hell, he did not do what it commanded, which was to burn all of his works. He ended up burning that document because he knew whose side he was on. The mighty Lord was with him. And along with him and many others who took refuge in the Lord, and still today the church finds gladness and joy in the river, which is the water of life and the word of God. And in that word, believers today still find refuge, though the world might be in turmoil. God's church is at peace. Kingdoms fall, but the church will never fail. The mighty Lord is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen.